You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. I want to give a shout out to Andy Monday, several other people who have been uh, emailing the show. Really appreciate you guys giving feedback. Yeah, actually had an awesome topic. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he was, uh, you know, asking a, a couple of a couple of detailed questions about Detroit and um, about the Packers inside the red zone. Um, I tried to steer that towards Packernet after dark because uh, I'd rather him call in and ask Ryan about that because Ryan has a lot of a lot of really cool information from SIS and other sites. And also, we want to make sure that Packernet after dark is absolutely flooded with your all's feedback. We appreciate the emails here. Please keep them coming. I love having conversations with you guys, and and if it it arises that we can uh, provide content on this show with the email, we'll obviously do that. And uh, there's been many times you guys have brought up uh, different statistics, details that I had overlooked, and I, I really appreciate um, you guys kind of coming from that angle. But, again, thank you, Andy, for the email. And uh, like I said, man, everything that you've got information-wise like that, questions, keep that stuff flowing to Packernet After Dark because that's what makes that podcast so good. That and, obviously, Ryan's ability to to host and, uh, and be witty in the moment is just uh, – it's everything a Packer fan needs, in my opinion. Um, that whole show is uh, is my favorite podcast going right now. So, um, yeah, with that being said, today's show is brought to you by Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. And, um, obviously, we have our giveaway for the autographed Paul Hornig jersey. It's a uh, home uh, Beckett style, the uh, home green jersey, autographed by the Hall of Famer Paul Hornig, the golden boy. Um, obviously played under Vince Lombardi, won multiple championships, uh, Heisman Trophy Award winner out of Notre Dame on a losing team, I might add. That's how good the guy was. Done everything in Green Bay. I mean, everything from rushing touchdowns, passing touchdowns, uh, you know, kicking uh, field goals and extra points for a bit. Um, just an awesome player, awesome human being. So excited to give that away. And I want to say that the, the cutoff for that giveaway is going to be Monday, okay? So if you guys want to enter yourself into that contest, it doesn't cost anything. Just go to my Twitter page, at Packers underscore access. Um, you'll see a tweet pinned at the top of the page. Retweet that tweet and follow the account. That'll enter you into the contest one time. And then if you want to donate to a good cause and also enter yourself into the contest multiple times, you can donate to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, which you'll see that one of Ryan's tweets is attached to that tweet. They'll have a link there. Um, like I said, we'll uh, we'll tally up all of the donations and uh, enter the uh, exact number of entries uh, for every five dollars you donate that enters you into the contest one additional time so you know you go out and you donate 50 bucks to that that cause that'll enter you in 10 times give you a little bit better chance of uh winning uh an awesome piece of memorabilia there from uh from pristineauction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity all that good stuff so um, with that being said we got a lot to get into today i do want to apologize guys i've, I've been kind of self-scouting here and <clears throat> i don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because you guys listen to this podcast for content not to hear me talk about my screw-ups but you know when we started this show i really wanted to 
have it organized in a way where you would know what to expect throughout the week. We do four episodes a week. <clears throat> Obviously, um, we do one Tuesday, we do one Thursday, we do one Saturday, and then we do a post-game show on Sunday or Monday, depending on you know what day of the week the game is on there. And we kind of we have to adjust for the Thursday night games and all that stuff. But uh, the thing I want to apologize about is because some of the content hasn't lined up with the proper time frame, meaning like you know, we're, we're coming up on the Lions game now, and I'm doing a Lions preview today. And, you know, some of you may not even listen to the Saturday podcast until after the game. And that's pretty crappy on my part to not get you guys a little bit of preview information a little bit sooner in the week. So I just want to apologize for that because we haven't stayed on script. Now, we had some awesome guests. Obviously, we had Krista Watson earlier in the year. We had Mike Wall this week, um, former offensive lineman for the Packers. We've been very, very blessed with people's time, and we have to adjust on the fly for that stuff. I definitely want to prioritize opinions that matter more than mine, especially someone who's played in the league or, you know, someone who's responsible for raising an NFL, NFL athlete. I feel like that information is way more important than anything I can bring to the table. But, um, yeah, I just needed to um, to kind of get that off my chest, and we'll adjust going into the offseason. Again, I apologize for things being a little bit jumbled, and we'll learn from our mistakes and, uh, mistakes and get better, okay? So, uh, with that being said, um, I've been <clears throat> kind of scouting the lines, right, because this is a huge game, guys. First of all, how cool is it? that we have back-to-back home playoff games for the Packers. And that's that's essentially what it was. The Vikings game was a must-win. It was a playoff game for the Packers. You win, you stay in, right? And it was right there at Lambeau Field. Obviously, they come up, came out and, and thumped the Vikings' head. It was my favorite game of the year. I think everybody would probably agree. Everything just kind of clicked together. It was so cool <clears throat> with all the trash talk coming from Minnesota Vikings fans, um, just seeing them kind of get humbled there at Lambeau. Well, here we are again at Lambeau. The game gets flexed from, from I think, a 1 o'clock game to the Sunday night game. <clears throat> it's not going to help me Monday morning, but I'll tell you what, it's exciting that at the very last game <coughs> of Sunday is going to be the Packers-Lions with playoff implications on the line. Now, there's a chance that the Lions will already be knocked out, but they're still going to be looking to play spoiler on the Packers. Um, so uh, it's going to be it's going to be a playoff game, man, and Detroit – Detroit's one of those teams I've got a lot of respect for, you know. Um, I've got a lot of respect for Chicago fans, and some of y'all are throwing up right now, right, listening to that. But <clears throat> I've had great experiences from Chicago fans. Now, I don't associate with people who are toxic. So, um, you know, Vikings fans, man, they've been a lot more brutal. So Vikings are definitely the team that I hate in the North. I don't hate the Bears. I respect them. I want them to lose, don't get me wrong. But I, res- I respect what that franchise has done and stands for. Um, now, I'm sure there's bad bad people in every fan base. We all know that. There's bad bad people in Packers fan base. I've witnessed that firsthand, right? And you just got to kind of mute those people and move on. But when it comes to the Lions, man, they've suffered for so long. And and this team is built real gritty, you know, and I think they're a well-coached team. I really believe that. Some may disagree, and that's okay. Um, but when you kind of look at how the team's performed according to PFF, and, and by the way, what about Mike Wall? Just absolutely pimp slapping PFF right, right on the show. <laughs> it's literally the the episode before I have Mike Wall on. I talk about how much man PFF's kind of earned my respect, my trust, because what I'm seeing on tape is lining up, and then he refers to it as just useless information. <laughs> but <clears throat> it's funny. Some people are probably going, "Man, that, that kind of really completely conflicts with your opinion." Yeah, I like that. I, I you can't learn. You can't grow as a person, as a, a 
podcaster, athlete, business on whatever it is, right? You can't learn unless you put yourself in an arena and an environment to to hear differing opinions and then take from it, you know, okay, does that really apply here? I've I've got to step back a second and go, man, am the way I'm looking at this, is it the right way? Right. I think that stuff's important. Um, but with that being said, I just got through watching a three game saturation of the Lions, and the one that sticks out to me is the Chicago game. Um, so <clears throat> the thing about the Chicago game, you know, Detroit, if you look at the score, um, as I'm watching the replay back now for the fourth time <laughs> on the uh, condensed version, uh, the uh, the Lions are now up 38 to 10 in the third quarter. It's just about the end of the third quarter. I believe it ended up being 41 to 10. You go, wow, they really thumped the Bears. It was actually close for two quarters. Now, what happened in that game? And it's kind of the reason we do chalk talk, right, is because we, we, we don't just want to highlight huge plays. We want to talk about the plays that really controlled the outcome of the game, that controlled the flow of the game. What, at what point did you realize it was over or, wow, that was that was the turning point in the game, right? And really it came, it came in the second quarter there right before halftime, maybe a little bit before. But Detroit forced, Detroit forced the Bears out of their running game. That's, that's essentially what happened. The Bears are a one-trick pony, guys. They run a lot of wildcat. They run a lot of quarterback design runs, things like that. Justin Fields is really struggling throwing the ball. Not, I wouldn't say throwing the ball, but playing quarterback is probably a better way of describing it. And I'm not saying he can't be a great quarterback. I think he's got all the tools. It's just, man, he's really bad at playing quarterback, in my opinion. Um, they forced him out of the running game, and and it was all about turnovers. And, and Chicago's passing game stinks. It's that simple. So they kind of felt each other out for a quarter and a half. Detroit <clears throat> forced them out of the run, got them into passing situations. Justin Fields couldn't convert on a scramble, turned the ball over at that point. I think it was 21 to 10. He turned the ball over during the middle eight. I think there was like less than three minutes left in that quarter. Uh, they're getting ready to go into halftime. You know how I feel about uh, middle eight and turnover differential, and both of them hit in one play right there. Bang. That's how that game gets routed. So it was close for two quarters, but again, Justin Fields can't play quarterback. So that's essentially why the Bears won that game. That's my – Immediate takeaway, and there's a lot of different things embedded in that, but this isn't a Detroit Lions nor a Chicago uh, Bears podcast, so we're not going to go into all the details. I just want to mention that. So um, we're going to get into how this game lays out for the Packers and the Lions. I've got a couple preview videos I'm going to play, so we're going to get some sound from uh, other outlets like that. But first, I wanted to start off with a little bit of Vikings hate here, okay? And I don't like to do this a lot. But seeing that it didn't come from a Packer player, it came from Jay Boogie, Jamal Williams, a former Packer, I thought it would be cool to play this. There's been a lot of talk from, from Vikings fans about how uh, the, the field was wet in the middle of the field and the Packers sabotaged the, the Vikings, this and that. Their players were slipping on. I've I seen Jair slip. I've seen Amos slip. I've seen a lot of people slip. It wasn't just Vikings, Vikings players. But I love how Jamal Williams hit on this. Um this is a tweet from uh, Nolan uh, Bianchi, I think is how you say his name. It says, for those who fear the Lions suffering a similar fate, here's what Jamal Williams had to say about this. Quote, just put on the studded things and stop trying to look cute. We'll be ready for that field. Okay. And he's referring to, of course, Justin Jefferson having to change cleats and many Vikings players uh, complaining about the field. And, of course, the fans with their foil caps, uh, you know, running around with conspiracy theories. But let's hear what uh, – Jay Boogie had to say about that. I, th I love this backhanded uh, slap here on the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Sliding all over the place last week. Do you have any insight on the field conditions? That Just put on the, the studded things and stop trying to look cute. That's it. That's it. 
Like, just play with the field. I understand people are scared to put them on. I don't know why. Honestly, I feel like it helps a lot. That's what helps me a lot when it's raining and it's muddy and all that. I'm like, just put on the stutters and go out there and play ball. Don't try to go out there and put on your little fancy cute shoes because they, they're cute. You know what I mean? Or whatever you know what I mean? they are. And you out there slipping. And then after that, then now you got to use that as an excuse. So we don't want excuses. We want to go out there and perform and go out there with a dub. So we'll be ready for the field. Love Jay Boogie. You know, you just want to go out there and get cute. You know what I mean? Cute. Like put the studs on. I love it. And and to me, he knocked it out of the park, right? I mean, when it comes to the uh, the Minnesota Vikings, they're that kind of team. They're very cocky, very arrogant. They're gritty and all over the place and this and that. Kirk Cousins with the chains and all. And, and it's great, you know, when you're winning. And this is kind of something that Ryan hits on from time to time because we talk about culture. And, and I know the McAfee show talks about it all the time. Everybody talks about culture, but when a team's winning, they've got good culture. When they're losing, they got bad culture. So it's all about wins and losses. That's really what controls culture, right? Now, if the culture is a little bit tighter, a little bit stronger in the locker room, obviously you're going to handle those losses a little bit better. And in my opinion, what's even more important than how you handle losses, how you handle defeat, how you handle uh, failure in life, it's how do you handle success. That's where a lot of people screw up. They, uh, you know, they get to reading their own press clippings, right? So Vikings are that kind of team, man. They are. Some people say they're front runners. Some people say they're frauds. I don't. You know, I like to kind of approach it from the Greg Cosell standpoint of, all right, uh, what what is it a team does well? What do they do bad? What's the tape show rather than, you know, dealing into the drama? But, man, you know, if, if you wore the right cleats, you wouldn't have to make excuses. Why don't you have on the right cleats? Well, they don't look right. Like Jamal said, they're not cute. I love it, dude. Love Jamal. So let's move on to the Detroit game, okay? And get off the excuses. It just cracks me up, man. That the Minnesota Vikings and their fan base is just so full of excuses. Excuses are like rear ends. Everybody got one, and they all stink, right? That's just the way it is. But let's uh, let's move on to the man. Yeah, there you go. There's your there's your Claytonism for the day. Um, that wasn't in the script. I promise you that. <laughs> Here comes the trailer from the. Uh, uh, Green Bay Packers, Detroit Lions coming up. It, again, it's a regular season playoff game. I'm just so, so thankful and blessed that the Packers are playing meaningful football, right, um, here late in the season rather than trying to tank for a pick and, and all the other nonsense we've heard. But this comes from Packers.com. Let's just get us a little trailer preview here, soundbot wise, for the Packers Lions. Just want to go home. It's been playoff football for a few weeks. It's playoff football. Our back was against the wall. We prevailed. Uh, battle back and be in this situation when you play this game. You play in the playoffs and, and make some magic happen. The only way you can get stronger is by facing adversity. Every play matters. Can't take no snaps off, can't take no plays off. What's a one play, one game mindset? Give all your energy and effort into that moment, to that play. Season's on the line, and whenever my number's called, I'll be out there fighting with my guys. Every home game in Lambeau has that playoff atmosphere. Lambeau Field at nighttime. The playoff atmosphere. Sunday night against the Lions. Two NFC North teams playing at Lambeau under the lights, getting the playoffs. We hot at the right time, and it's time to play Detroit. No division game to decide everything. We could have asked for a better situation. We in control of our own destiny. It's going to start with us finishing the season off strong against Detroit. Everything's right there for us. That storybook ending. Got to win with our fans and Lambeau. Gotta win with our fans in Lambeau, right? Uh, again, man, playoff football, 
going to be cold. I don't think they're calling for any snow right now. I'll, uh, I'll double check here in a second, give you guys kind of a weather update. Obviously, it's going to be tomorrow night. I mean, it's right around the corner. Hopefully, you get to listen to this pod <clears throat> before the game. Let's give it a quick look here as far as uh, um, as far as far weather forecasts. So, right now, the high tomorrow is 30, the low is 20. 8% chance of snow during the day, only a 6% chance of snow at night. That low, like I said, is going to be 20. So, right around game time, probably going to be somewhere around 25, 27 degrees, something like that. Uh, the wind's only going to be eight mile an hour, so the wind shouldn't be too much of a factor. Um, it's not too cold, cold, but I think it's pretty cool, man, because, um, you know, the last time the Packers and the Lions played, it was in the dome, right? And weather wasn't a factor at all. And, I mean, let's be honest about it. I don't want to take anything away from Detroit's season because I feel like they've they took a step in the right direction. Coming out of hard knocks, this was kind of everybody's Cinderella team. I think they're built tough. They're built gritty. Uh, they're built based on the run. Jared Goff's playing great football right now. The best football he's ever played in his career, in my opinion. Um, he's great in the play-action pass. That's been their bread and butter, being able to establish the run, go to the play-action pass. Not They don't have crazy passing numbers, but uh, turnover differential has been on their side. They've controlled <coughs> and protected the football. Um, they're just a good, solid, fundamental team. You know, they're, they're one of those teams that's right on the brink of making the playoffs. They're not great. They're good. And – they do the the important things right. You know, they win the middle eight. They win the turnover differential. You're going to be in ball games, And typically that's a sign of a well-coached team. And I think Dan Campbell, although he can be quirky at times and a little bit over the top, either people either love him or they hate him. I personally, I like him. I think the guy is a good coach. I think he's one of those guys that he's 100% genuine. If you don't like his personality, then you don't like his personality, but you can't say he's fake. I really don't think he's fake. I think he's just one of those, you know, former players, and, and that carries a lot of weight with players uh, currently on the roster too. You know, it's one thing to have a coach that's never played the game telling you to put your body on the line and this matters and that matters in the back of their minds sometimes, especially with veterans, they're probably going, what the heck does he know? Not with Dan Campbell, you know. So they're a good football team. Um, let's do this. Like I said, that was the trailer. I'm going to do things a little bit different. I want to get different opinions, different sound bites, things like that. I don't want to just be my opinion. I want to listen to other people's opinion and give you my feedback on it. So we're going to play a six-minute video, and I'm going to pause it from time to time. This comes from NFL.com, and this is the Packers-Lions previews. You're going to get a lot of cool stats here, a lot of things uh, kind of behind the scenes that I think is is pretty important when you're breaking down a game. But let's uh, let's see what NFL.com has to say here. Again, you can find us for free on, on their YouTube channel. And uh, this is Packers Lions preview. I'll pause if uh, if need be. And I think there's going to be some good information for you to you guys to gather here before this game. When is the last time a Detroit Green Bay game late in the year had this kind of a vibe? As far as where we're at right now, it don't it doesn't get any better than this. Lions at Lambeau to face the Packers, who make the dance if they win. When you start to believe something strongly that some miraculous things can happen. The pack, the only ones who control their destiny in the NFC when it comes to unwrapping the last golden playoff ticket. I got to pause there. Aaron said something there. When you believe something, miraculous things happen. It's so true. Some of you guys are rolling your eyes right now. And if you're rolling your eyes, you should probably ask yourself, am I where I want to be in life? And, uh, yeah, do I, you know, kind of feel like things are going in the direction that I want them to? I heard a saying one time. And it's rang true for me. may not apply to you. You've got to own things like this, in my opinion. But it's – I'm trying to think of how it was worded. It was, uh, rarely do you get what you deserve, but you almost always get what you expect. Expectations are important. And you can. It sounds silly. 
but you can manifest things, man. If all you think about is what it is you're trying to accomplish, it's a lot easier to apply yourself and, and, and uh, not miss out on opportunities when it's at the forefront of your mind. And it becomes who you are, not what you do. Uh, I don't want to go on a rant here, but I, I buy into that stuff. Maybe that's the reason I've come around on Rogers because I've read enough success principle books and things over the years that that some of the stuff he says, I know, I know the type of thought process he's in. I don't agree with everything. You know, I'm not going to be down in, you know, some jungle somewhere drinking an ayahuasca tea. I promise you that. But there's some of the stuff that he says that people roll their eyes at, and then I look at it and go, okay, where are you at in life? Ah. Uh, your last three tweets show me your life is miserable. Might want to change the way you look at life and and, and how you approach things and, and trying to be successful. And it's just it's things that I had to learn when I was dead broke, man. Um, and it's 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 the key to a happy marriage. It's the key to being successful. But anyway, I, I just when he says those things, it connects with me. And I know that a lot of people think it's quirky. I just I appreciate that stuff. But I'm so proud of you guys. I'm getting really emotional right now. Lions have to win this one and hope for an upset on the West Coast. Motivation not an issue for either team. Let's go! Let's go! Lions, winners of seven of their last nine. Packers, winners of four straight. AA run is cool and all, but most of the credit to Green Bay's run goes to its defense. They haven't allowed more than 20 points during their streak. The rush is on in a tight pocket. He's hit it. It's so true what they just mentioned. I mean, the majority of the Packers' success this year Really, none of it has to do with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has had a down year. Funny, he's still a top 10 quarterback. But Aaron Jones and that running game, you know, uh, uh, Stinovich and the offensive line coach, uh, Buckus, being able to kind of patch this offensive line together to find the right five as they're, you know, working around injuries and, and things like that. Um, the defense stepping up here in the here of recently which is funny. We're going to talk about points per play. We're going to talk about PFF grades in a second. <clears throat> but Joe Barry, man, I don't hear anybody saying fire Joe Barry now, and I'm glad that they didn't do it midseason because um, you could see that they were so close at points. But just uh, the thing that I kept finding on Chalk Talk and, and diving into the tape was, man, these players aren't making the plays that are on the field. They're blowing coverages. They're missing tackles. That's not on the defensive coordinator. I'm sorry. The defense coordinator's job shouldn't be to go down in the trenches and teach a player. Like you got to really wrap up and tackle. These are professional football players. They've been tackling since they're seven years old, eight years old, where, where, you know, whatever age they started, right? Like they're getting paid all of this money to play professional football. A coach should not be having to teach them tackling technique, although it should be practiced. But I'm sorry, man, that doesn't – when you've got somebody who's, you know, $15 million on the books and he misses a tackle, I don't know, dude. It's hard for me to blame the coordinator. So um, I just think it's important that they, they pointed that out. And you guys know I love Aaron Rodgers. I appreciate everything he's done for the franchise. And I don't think he's played – I don't think he's played bad. I think he's played solid this year. He's a top-10 graded quarterback on PFF. Um, he's still in the uh, – I think he may still be leading the NFC in touchdown passes. I don't know. His interceptions are a little high for Aaron Rodgers, but for the most part, you know, there's uh, – you know, some people talk about Kirk Cousins having one of the best years of his career. He and Aaron Rodgers' numbers are pretty much identical. You would think Aaron Rodgers was bottom five in the league, you know. But anyway, it's important to point out running game and defense here lately is really, really what's helped the Packers. 
sack. Justin Hollins makes the hit. Detroit's success tied to an offense, fifth in points per game in 2022, so let's get ready to rumble indeed. Detroit showed Chicago what its O-face looks like on tilt last week. 41 points, Jared Goff, three touchdowns, no interceptions, over 250 yards, a rating near 135. 29 touchdowns against seven INTs this season, rating of 100.1. What a year. Got a man out there. The challenge he faces this week, like a really good Madden player beating me, and then right away having to face a 14-year-old who knows what they're doing. The D. Goff faces this time around an entirely different beast. Green Bay's defense absolutely clamped, locked, strapped the mighty Vikings offense last week, picked off Kirk Cousins three times. Rudy Ford with a deep interception. Fire Joe Barry. <laughs> Sorry. That's eight turnovers for the Packers defense in the last two weeks. And then there was the statement by Jair Alexander that likely had Cheeseheads out of their chairs screaming, no, he didn't. Yes, he did. And then, yes, they did. They backed it up by holding Justin Jefferson to one catch, 15 yards on five targets. Here we go up top, sideline, and incomplete. Oh, he's got a little gritty next to Jefferson. This week, Alexander and company face an attack that uses a different recipe. Detroit's top four in receiving yards this season, all wideouts. Amon Ross St. Brown doesn't gritty, so not sure how he'd mock him, but he has over 100 receptions, over 1,100 yards, six touchdowns on the season. He's been Goff's go-to. Hands down, you gotta stop Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm not saying the game plan should be geared around that, but that's the top target, plain and simple. DJ Chark, though, has also come on strong the last six weeks. Oh, baby, what a grab. DJ Chark. The battle in the trenches will be big. Goff had all sorts of time versus Chicago. He's had good protection all year. Detroit's line is legit. So he's only taken 23 sacks. It says it's second in the league. I'm not sure if that's second highest or second best. I would I don't know because according to PFF, the pass blocking grade's pretty bad, or at least it's one of the weak points for the uh, Lions. But again, that's what it says: 23 sacks taken this year. I, I would I would imagine that. I don't know. I don't even want to comment on it. I don't have time to look up the stats, but yeah. They take on a very aggressive pass rush. Green Bay with a plus 30 pressure rate, over 30 is high. And when a blitz rate is over 30, it is too. And theirs is. He's hit a sack, Preston Smith. So Goff versus five plus pass rushers this year, 105.1 rating, 15 touchdowns against four INTs, not too shabby. So 105 quarterback rating against the blitz, at least five rushers. Now here's what's cool. Of lately, the Packers have stopped blitzing. We heard in the first half of the season they really brought a lot of five-man pressure, right, which I disagree with. To me, the key to beating especially good quarterbacks is doing it with a four-man rush and being able to play coverage. Now, the, the problem with that is typically when you play with two on the shelf and you don't have players in position to blitz, they're just going to play soft. Therefore, the run's going to be there, especially when you play that double nine-tech technique with a couple of four eyes, right? So it's one of those – Chess, not checkers type things, right? you got to be able to contain the run, but you don't want to give up the big play in the passing game, especially against someone who's good with play-action pass. But it's important to mention that 
Jared Goff has played really, really well this year. Again, 105.1 quarterback rating, 15 touchdowns, four picks against the blitz, which is five rushers or more. So I think the key here, four-man rush for the Packers, but maybe using a little pre-snap, a little early rotation to be able to fill those run gaps and stop the run. Man, wide open, caught, end zone, touchdown, Detroit Lions! Lions run game, very underrated part of their offense. Keep in mind, they are 11th in rush attempts this year. Last week, Jamal Hinkle McCringleberry Williams, 144 yards, 6.6 yards Jeez. per carry, another celebration in the paint, and check it out, kept it to two thrusts, no flags. To the end zone, touchdown, Detroit Lions! You can bet Jamal Williams wants to score at Lambeau Field, guys. Because that Packer fan base, the majority are a lot like me, man. We, we love Jay Boogie, you know, and he knows that. <laughs> but he's the enemy on Sunday, right? But he's going to have a little extra motivation. He's going to want to get in that end zone for sure. His partner in crime, DeAndre Swift, 78 yards, 7.1 an attempt, a touchdown. The Lions ran for 265 yards total last week. Swift, inside the five, end zone, touchdown. Packers defense versus the run. While they held Dalvin Cook in check, they still gave up some big runs to Alexander Madison, allowed over five yards a run to Minnesota overall, have given up five yards per attempt to running backs in 2022. Take one, bounces outside. Barkley's in for the touchdown. How Green Bay's own run game fares is also a huge key in this matchup. Aaron Jones, 111 yards, 7.9 yards per carry last week, 5.3 per run for the season now. Gets a block from Dillon to the end zone for the touchdown! A.J. Dillon will get his two. Green Bay ran for 163 yards last week on 4.9 a run, a couple touchdowns. Gives to Dillon to the left side of the line for the goal line, the end zone for the touchdown! Detroit's defense, like Green Bay's, isn't strong versus backs either. 4.8 a run allowed to the position. Plowing, right side, touchdown, seek! Unlike Green Bay's defense, though, Detroit's play versus the pass hasn't been good. Rating allowed in the mid-90s, eight yards per attempt allowed. He's going to fire right. Yes, K.J. Osborne, you're so cold-blooded. Sure, they did play Justin Fields the passer well, but even a Rodgers with limited weapons is more challenging. Rodgers hasn't thrown for 240 yards in any of the four games they've just won, hasn't had a 100-plus rating, hasn't thrown for two TDs in any of the games. He doesn't see. I'm going to say this. I don't know why, and I usually don't do this, but. I'm expecting a Christian Watson jet sweep. I'm just going to say that right now. I'm going to go on the record and say, I don't know. It's been a while. He's healthy now. Last game, he was still a little bit banged up. We haven't seen that jet sweep in some time. This may be the week they break it out, especially seeing that Detroit's running defense is so bad. Maybe they're going to look to load the box. You catch a lot of, a lot of, you know, a high hat count in the box. And that jet motion may be there, that jet sweep. I don't know. It just feels like it's going to be a Christian Watson jet sweep day. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. 
So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Seem to care. They're winning. He's still there lurking. The fact that we came back from 4-8 and eight and put ourselves in a position to make the playoffs is pretty special. Lions did rack up seven sacks versus the Bears. Just know Packers line is significantly stronger than Chicago's. Green Bay quarterbacks have had the luxury of facing pressure just 18.7% of the time. Few teams have been better. Rogers throw. Think about that, man. Only 18% of the time. I mean, these teams are playing just bringing a four-man rush and playing with two on the shelf. And Aaron does not like to turn the ball over. Ironically, he's turned the ball over more this year than he has ever in his career, other than I think his first year as a starter. Um, that's that's why you see a different Aaron Rodgers. That's why you see him hesitant, right? Because he, he really tries to play it overly safe this year. And you know, some people say, "Oh, he's got happy feet. He got this. He got no." It's it's a when they can get pressure on you with four rushers, bro. Your your back is against the wall in the passing game. Right. And and he has. He's he's made bad decisions. He's missed open receivers. We've seen that all year long. I mean, you don't believe me, go trust me, go to Twitter. There's plenty of Rogers hate out there, right? But um that's an important stat there. Now Detroit did beat Green Bay earlier this year. It's what sparked their turnaround. It's a weird one though. They won fifteen to nine in week nine. Just when it looked like the Packers were gonna get back in this thing, he says, uh uh-uh. uh. 2016, Rodgers versus Stafford, last week of the year, 31-24 Green Bay win. That's the last time Rodgers faced Detroit with both teams playing for something late. Tell us what happens this time around in the comments section. Include your take on the L. All right, so yeah, that first, the first meeting, right? Let's touch on this just a second. What lost them that game? Turnovers, more specifically turnovers in the red zone, right? Going forward on fourth down. They played cocky, the Packers did. Not cocky. They played arrogant. I think there's a difference there. Cocky is, hey, you're comp, you're really confident, right? You're confident. Hey, man, we can we can go out here and just play our game and be a little bit aggressive. Arrogant is this is the Lions. Come on. We can let's let's try to pad some stats today. It felt like they tried to pad the passing stats last time. And you know, I've, you know, heard some people say that well, they felt like Rodgers, uh, his PFF grade didn't really match his performance in Detroit. I thought it matched spot on because Aaron played a good game. They passed the ball well. It's just in key moments, a minimal amount of plays, they made crucial mistakes. And it just goes to show you, two, three, four snaps a game can cost you the game, right? Um, that was the, the helmet interception. Right? I think he threw. I think he threw three picks in that game, if I remember correctly. This is going to be a different ball game here, guys. These are two different teams, too. It's, you know, you've got two teams that are running the ball well, and you've got two t- two defenses that don't have good run defenses, right? Now, the Packers did a lot better against Minnesota in the run defense. I felt like it's why we do chalk talk. Early in that game, they really shut the run down, and obviously the kick return for a touchdown, then the first INT, now you got to get away from the running game. Detroit is going to try to play <clears throat> from a standpoint of let's control the clock, let's control the ball, let's make sure we don't get out of this thing to get away from the running game, right? Um, you're not going to get those gifts, I don't think, 
that you got from Minnesota. This is going to be a more grind them out type game. Um, same as the first time, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a low scoring game. Although these are two different teams, man, you never know, right? So, um, just thought we'd play that preview. I thought that would be a good little way of uh, kind of hitting on some of the key statistics, some uh, thought provoking uh, moments there in the video. Uh, again, a little bit quirky at times, but hey, it's it's all good. So. Let's do this. Let's talk about points per play. And this is, to me, the key statistic. You hear uh, points per game, and yes, that's what controls whether a team wins or loses. But, you know, a team can have a lot of points per game, but if they if their defense, turn, you know, got turnovers on their side of the field and gave them a short field, that points per game can be uh, kind of a misleading stat. That's why I like points per play. How many points do you score per attempt on offense. That, to me, really determines how good a, good or bad an offense is, and even a defense. So let's talk about points per play real quick. Offensively, Detroit is fifth in the league in points per play, okay? So in my opinion, they're the fifth best offense in the league. That's pretty impressive, right? Again, points per play, um, you know, if you're leading in games – you know, obviously that's going to play into the fact that you're going to have a high uh, points per play because you're not having to play from behind and take those uh, those big risks. Now, in the last three games, Detroit is 10th in points per play on offense. So you see they've dropped in the last three games offensively. That's important to mention. Now, they're on this run, yes. <clears throat> now, we don't have time to dive into all the Detroit film and all the games. Again, I looked at Chicago's game, right, and the reason they won that game, you would look at it and go 41 to 10. Holy cow, man, they scored a ton of points. Yeah. Chicago turning the ball over, over and over and over. They have no passing game. It was literally run the ball for the first quarter and a half. Detroit jumps out to a little bit of a lead. Now you have to pass. Now you're turning the ball over. That's going to feed into higher, you know, points per uh, points per game, right? So that's why you look at the last three, they've actually dropped in points per play. And when you Look at that score. The points per game is a little bit misleading, in my opinion. It's you're kind of splitting hairs here, but I think splitting hairs really helps a fan um, understand the game at a little bit different level. So I think it's important. Now, Green Bay offense for the year, they're 15th in points per play, guys. That's 10 spots lower than Detroit, but in the last three games, they're fourth. Now, let's go back to. What did we talk about on that video? The reason Green Bay has been successful, it's not because Aaron Rodgers, it's because they got a running game and a defense. That would make you think, okay, well, they're just getting more opportunities. Actually, in the last three games, Green Bay is fourth in the league in points per play. That's that's impressive. So if you were to average that out, that kind of – if you go, okay, how they're playing now and how they played all year, if you kind of met in the middle, right, you're going to be somewhere around what? I don't know, somewhere between – probably around 10th in the league. And then you look at what Detroit's done, that kind of pushes them back to around 7th in the league. This is going to be a close-scoring game, guys. Like, this is this is going to be playoff atmosphere, Lambeau Field. This is going to be a great freaking game. And win or lose, man, we're playing for something. And I want the Packers to win and go on a run in the playoffs, don't get me wrong. But I'm not going to be doom and gloom if they lose to the Lions. Anyone who's telling you, oh, they should beat the Lions, go on, man, it's the Lions. They're going to just go out and torch them. Don't buy into that hype. I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be great. Let's move on to defense points per play, okay? Defensively, Green Bay is 25th in the league in points per play, right? Now, 
There you go, man. That's a good gauge of the defense, right? Because to me, it's equally important on defense. Now, in the last three games, they're 16th, right? So they've improved the last three games defensively, you know, obviously, immensely. They have. There, there's no denying that. Um, so that stat kind of shows you people are looking at this defense now like, oh, the defense is fixed all of a sudden. No, they're not fixed. They're not a great defense, right? They've played really well the last three games. 16th is right middle tier. That's where they should have been all year, in my opinion. Hopefully that's the new normal, right? And that's the baseline moving forward. We can build in the offseason and try to um, improve that defense as we go into 2023. But again, <clears throat> 25th on the year, 16th in the last three games. Detroit, they are 30th on the year and 20th the last three games. So essentially what you've got is offensive advantage slightly to Detroit, defensive advantage slightly to Green Bay. I'm telling you, it's going to be a close, close game, guys. It's going to be a close game. I'm excited for it. So just wanted to mention that because that's a statistic that I find very, very important. Let's move on to PFF now. When it comes to PFF, overall, the Packers – why do I mention PFF? To me – PFF isn't everything. I've said it over and over and over, right? I don't, it's not like the gospel to me, but it's a great metric to use um, with more eyeballs. It's almost like hired help. And that's the way I look at it. Maybe it's because, you know, coming from a business standpoint is, okay, you can, you don't have enough hours, minutes, seconds in the day to do everything you need to do in any task you got in life, right? So if you can get multiple hands, multiple eyes on something to help you accomplish something. It's great. That's what PFF is. I pay a monthly subscription for in my the way I look at it, you know, with my background is these are employees that are helping me gather this information that I don't have time to look at every snap for every player. Now, with that comes inaccuracies, right? That's why I say it's not gospel. It's not perfect. But I think people who fully understand what PFF is, um, I think it can be a good tool. I'll just say that. Now, I will say this. Hearing Mike Wall bash PFF, a guy that's been in the league, played 11 years in the league, was a pro bowler in 2005, was a part of that offensive line. When Amon Green rushed for 1,800 yards, the Packers rushed for 2,500 yards. I mean, absolutely set the league on fire with those heavy eye formation sets, right? Um, I take I take his opinion very, very serious. <laughs> that's that's an important piece of the puzzle to me, you know. So when I when I try to weigh into how important is PFF, man, in the back of my mind, it's going. It was an NFL player saying, "Hey, look, he doesn't really like." Now, has he dug in and fully understand how the grading system works? I don't know. But the thing I appreciate about Mike Wall is he he really dove into the fundamentals, man, and got some really good nuggets there. Just some things that that fans might not understand that I know I didn't understand. And uh, it's really uh, really good to get that. So, again, PFF isn't everything. But <clears throat> overall, PFF grade, to me, it tells you how well the players are playing. That's the best thing it's for. Forget coaching, okay? This is how have they performed because the goal is what was their job, how well did they do it, let's grade that and move on to the next play, right? So Green Bay is 10th in the league in overall PFF grade, okay? Detroit is 20th. What's that tell me? It tells me that the coaches in Green Bay have underperformed a touch and the 
coaches in Detroit have overperformed a touch. Now, I'm not saying Dan Campbell should have the nod over Matt LaFleur, but I'm just saying this season, it's kind of, it, it kind of works out as a push. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's kind of how I view PFF overall. Now, let's go to offense. Detroit's offense, according to PFF, are ranked eighth, okay? What's their strength? Their strength is running back and wide receiver. Um, wide receiver graded out 17th. I think running back is right there close as well. So that to me was the, the glaring strength for the Detroit Lions was their skill position. Okay. And it wasn't like, you know, setting the world on fire, but that's definitely their strength. Now, what's their weakness? Pass blocking grade. Their pass blocking grade is 21st in the league. Again, it's, it's not at the bottom, right? It's closer to middle than it is at the end, you know, in the backside. But, that's their weakness, pass blocking. Okay, if pass blocking is their weakness, who are the weakest links on that offensive line? The guards are, okay? Your tackles graded out fairly decent. The center graded out well, right? But the guards are the weak point. All right, so how do you attack their weakness? Because, guys, that's what it comes down to. You want to accentuate the positives, right, and negate the things that you do bad. You want to minimize the stuff that you do bad. Right. So when it comes to Detroit and you want to attack the passing game, now keep in mind, this is only in passing situations. I'm not saying this is how they should line up playing and play out, because if they do that, guys, listen to me. If they come out and they play really soft and they don't log, load the box from time to time and, and it may take a quarter to adjust. So expect Detroit to run the ball really, really well in the first quarter unless they come out and load the box. But if they don't load that box and play a little more aggressive, Detroit's going to be able to run the football. I'm talking about passing situations. Third and six, third and eight, third and 12. What I want to see from the Packers is I want to see that late rotation spinner cover three, right? Spinner simply meaning you got two safeties on the shelf and one safety is going to rotate underneath in a zone. The other safety is going to rotate in the high deep center of the field zone. Okay, that's that's all that some people call it spinner. I call it late rotation. You can call it bunk bed. I don't care. Okay. But that's what they like to do. Show a too high look and either the 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 left safety or the right safety. I say that instead of strong or free because obviously strong safety is just simply when the tight end is is lined up on that side of the field, that's technically the strong safety. What's funny is I don't think that they adjust to that. Some defenses do. A lot of defenses in the past have. I think the Packers just kind of play them in the position they're going to play them, and they don't even really look at the tight end. Now that might have something to do with you know the late rotation and how the play ends up. Your post play, you know, rotation or post snap rotation, I should say. But uh, yeah. So with that being said. In a passing situation, I want to see a four-man rush. That's all I want to see. You know, the Packers have been successful here of lately because they've gotten away from blitzing a little bit. That's that's my understanding. I haven't looked at all the details, all the numbers. If I'm wrong there, guys, shoot me an email, hit me up on Twitter, and we'll talk about it. Okay, and, and, and I want you to point that stuff out because we want to be accurate. We don't, you know, I would much rather us learn something then be the know-it-all that's that claims he's always accurate, okay? So just please understand that. Again, four-man rush. I want to see a double a double four-eye technique, and I want to see a double wide nine. Why is that? What did we just talk about with the offensive line? Pass blocking is their weakness. What's the weak spot of their, their offensive line? The guards. How do you get pressure on that offensive line if the guards are the weak spot? You've got to line up wide nine. again. 
only in passing situations, okay? Now, the Packers will do it in running situations, too, and we're going to get frustrated. They've done it all year. But when you do that with the wide nine, you put the tackles on an island unless they use a tight end to help chip. You put the tackles on an island. The tackles have to set their blocking. They have to ID the mock. They have to set their blocking uh, uh, system up by saying, okay, the tackles have to take the wide nines. The four eyes now, the the center has to make a decision, which guard am I going to help, which means you're going to put one guard in isolation. To me, that's what they did against the Vikings. Now, time out. Why were they successful against the Vikings? Because they lost their backup. They lost their starting center and their backup center. Guys, we have to be realistic about this. The main reason the Vikings lost that game was because of turnovers. The main reason they turned the ball over was because they had pressure put in their face, pressure pick, coverage sacks. Kenny Clark in their face, TJ Slayton in their face. All game long, they were getting pressure. Um, from the guards in, right? And it wasn't like, oh, man, they blew up the block and sacked the quarterback. It was a hand in the throwing lane so many times. Twice the ball was tipped, right? I think the second one was tipped by T.J. Slayton uh, was the Adrian Amos interception. It happened all night long. It's important to mention that. I'm not expecting Detroit's interior offensive line to play worse than the Vikings because they're not playing with a third-string center, right? But if the guards are the weak spot – and you get in those passing situations. Double nine technique, double four eye, isolate the guard. One of these guards are going to have to have a single block. Now, my guess would be their center would fan out and fan over to Kenny Clark's side and help against Kenny. So what's that do? The matchup it gives you is who is the opposite interior defensive lineman when you're playing nickel, which we know is the majority of the time the defense that, that NFL defenses are in because 11 personnel dominates in the NFL, right? And I didn't look into their majority personnel. Probably should have done that. But, again, we're at the 48-minute mark. There's not enough time to cover everything, which is why I led the conversation off today with an apology because if I would have done this episode sooner, we would have had more time to hit on these things. So I apologize for that. Um, So that's the way I'm approaching it. And you've got to isolate that guard. Now, who's that other interior defensive lineman going to be for the Packers? You know, is it going to be Devontae Wyatt's big day? Is it going to be T.J. Slayton, you know, getting uh, getting them big paws in the throwing lanes again, right? Could be, you know, that stuff. That stuff is going to de- determine these third down uh, situations that we get so aggravated about. I get so frustrated. We get them in a third and eight, and they just always seem to convert, this and that. Early in the year, we're bringing five, and everybody's going, well, they're just playing soft on the outside. Guys, when you're bringing five, you've got one less in coverage. You've got to protect deep. You don't want to give up the big play. Right. So all these things kind of work in unison together. So the key to me, four man rush, double four I tech, double wide nine. That's how you get pressure in passing situations. But the number one thing here is you have to commit to stopping the run. You cannot commit to stopping the run, having a double nine and a four I trying to stop the run with two safeties on the shelf, unless you're going to mug. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe we see a little double barrel look. What I mean by double barrel look is a double A-gap mug, right, where the middle linebackers come up in that A-gap. Now, when you do that, you make yourself a bit vulnerable to a play-action pass, which we just heard Detroit is really, really good at, and a Monroe St. Brown coming across the middle. you got Shark that can stretch the field. He's got the frame. He's got the speed. Um, you know, we know Dan Campbell loves to use the tight ends in the play-action pass, so 
you got to find that even balance. Maybe this is the game that you see a little a little run blitz, meaning the second they show run, if they show play action run, the the backers in the middle are going to be blitzing and the safeties know, all right, man, we're really vulnerable here to a play action pass. You try to hit home on the pressure. But, again, you just, just got to contain that run, man. I think the first quarter and a half um, could be like the Chicago game, a lot closer than the end result might, might end up being. But, again, it's going to be a great game. So, you got to commit to stopping the run, and then in the passing situations, let's get those guards isolated so you can take advantage of the weak spot of that offensive line. And, again, when I say weak spot, it's the weakest spot of that offensive line, but it wasn't horrible. They were great, both grading out in the 60s, if I remember correctly. So I don't want to mislead there. <clears throat> Let's move on to defense. Um, defensively, Detroit is ranked 28th, guys, 28th in PFF grade. That's that's horrible. Overall defensive grade. Everything combined on defense, 28th. Now, what's their strength? It's definitely their pass rush. What beat the Packers in the first game? Turnovers. I remember spe specifically Aiden Hutchinson and others getting pressure on Aaron. This was a different team. These were two different teams. Back then, Green Bay's offensive line was still struggling early in the year, right? Still really – I mean, we were still trying to piece that thing together. Um, there was times that it wasn't Aaron's fault that they got pressure in his face, but there was more times than not Aaron made mistakes, and it was crucial uh, moments. Minimal snaps, but absolutely crucial, like him plunking the 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 RPO off the helmet of the defender, right? And we've seen here lately they've gotten away from RPOs. So if Detroit watches the tape, right, and this is why a three- or four-game saturation here more recently is important in scouting a team rather than just head-to-head -head matchups, although you, you watch the head-to-head -head matchups because you're probably going to still try to get the same personnel matchups, right, or advantages. I don't think you're going to – hopefully we don't see RPOs. So I want to see them break out a Christian Watson jet sweep, stay away from the RPOs, either run it, pass it, or play action off of it, and let's just play good, fundamentally sound football. Let's win the turnover differential. Let's make sure we win the middle eight, and I think the Packers have a good shot of winning this game. But, again, it's not a slam dunk like some are saying. Um, so their defense ranked 28th. Their strength is their pass rush. Um, let's just let's establish a run early and, and make sure we're not in those third and long situations. And, again, the offensive line is much better today uh, than it was the first time they, uh, they played. Now, what's their weakness? It's coverage. This scares me, guys. They are dead last in PFF grade and coverage. The last thing I want is for Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers to sit down and go, you know what, they're so bad, let's just come out and pass it all over the yard. It makes it, it really worries me, guys. If we come out and we're pass-heavy, 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 we're playing into Detroit's hand. I feel like that's what we did the first time, and it's probably why we went down that road because it was kind of outthinking the situation. Rather than just playing fundamentally sound football, our, the, we're, our goal is to score one more point than the other team. It felt like that game was strictly – this is the lines. We can handle it. Let's just come out and wing it all over the yard. And it bit them in the rear end, especially with uh, turnovers in there and more specifically in the uh, in the red zone. So, again, they're dead last in coverage. Their run defense is 24th, right? More things can go wrong when you throw the ball rather than run it, right? I think they said when you throw the ball, three things can go bad. When you run the ball, only one thing can go or two things can go bad. And I'm not going to get into the details of who said that and what well, it's just an old football quote. So how do you win on offense? You stay with the freaking run. 
stay with the running game. The passing plays are going to be there. Just be patient. Play the sticks. Try to pick up that first down on second down rather than getting to third down. And penalties are going to be huge. The fact that we're at Lambeau is a big deal, guys. It's proven. Every, every single week in the NFL, the home team typically has the advantage when it comes to penalties, right? And that's why you have home field advantage. It's why Vegas, and I know it's not a gambling show, but it's why typically the home team is spotted three points. So, uh, you know, I don't even know what the line is on this one. I do have the uh, the percentage from game theory, and we'll talk about it here as we get ready to wrap up. But, uh, yeah, just got to play fundamental football. You can beat Detroit. You can. But you're going to have to establish the run, protect the football, turnover differential, middle late. I know you guys get tired of hearing me say it, but it's going to be very, very important. It's exactly the reason they lost the first time they played Detroit. And, again, these are two different teams. So I'm excited, man. Got to stay with the run. The passing plays are going to be there. This could be Aaron's best passing game of the year. I just don't want him to get too cocky and try to wing it all over the yard. Look, let's get in the playoffs. Let's don't get cute. You know, like Jamal Williams, we started this this whole pod off with, right? Um, you know, don't don't be cute. You know, you 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 because you keep cleats look cute. Put the studs on them, right? And uh, this team's going to come to run, man. I'm telling you, they they can run the football. So I'm excited, guys. I think it's going to be a, a great game again. Two home playoff games in a row is how I'm looking at this. You can roll your eyes all you want, but I, I love it, man. This is uh this is what it's all about. This is this is way more exciting. And I'm not saying I would rather have this situation than the than the latter I'm about to mention, but this is way more exciting than having a 13-win team wondering should we set our starters. Like this is week 18, the last football game of the NFL regular season with playoffs completely on the line. And in my opinion, man, Packers.com, they knocked it out of the park here. We're going to play this video. This is called All on the Line by Packers Daily. You can find it on Packers.com and the Green Bay Packers uh, YouTube page. But let's check it out. I'd go down a dark alley with Jair Alexander any day because he gets after it. Jair Alexander, oh my. When those lights come on and the ball snapped, he's exactly what you want from a mindset standpoint. Intercepted, Jair Alexander. He's as detailed and, and wired in as a competitor as I've ever been around. Alexander and company face another tough test Sunday night against Detroit's top three offense, led by quarterback Jared Goff. Over his past eight games, the seven-year vet has 15 scores and zero INTs. And when defenses begin biting on the run, he can make them pay. Goff leads the league with 17 touchdowns and a scalding 128 passer rating on play-action passes this season. He's playing very good right now. They're not turning the ball over. You know, which I think is a sign of any really good offense and quarterback. He's got a great group around him. He's got a lot of skill. I've got a ton of respect for Jared. Jared's a, a really, really, really great quarterback. In this regular season finale, Green Bay will be gunning for its fourth straight victory over Detroit at home in its eighth consecutive Sunday night football win at Lambeau. As for the stakes, it's win or go home. You know we're going to get their best shot, we always do. We're going to give them our best shot, two NFC North teams, playing at Lambeau, under the lights, getting the playoffs, just everything you want. For us, though, the battle back and being in this situation, 
and have an opportunity. Uh, that, that's all you can ask for. You know, when you play this game, is you hope to have an opportunity to play in the playoffs and, and make some magic happen. All right, there you go, man. It's uh, it's playoff football, baby. Lambeau Field, 25 degrees, maybe a little flurry. Um, minimal wind. Aaron Rodgers, possibly his last game at Lambeau Field. That's been mentioned several times this week. There's, uh, there's a lot to play for this weekend, man. And I'm just, again, I'm just thankful the Packers have a meaningful game. Guys, I went back. To the Dallas game, the Dallas week. I think we were three and six. If I remember correctly, I think we were three and six starting this run. And now you've got a chance to make the playoffs. That's pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. So um, that betting line, Packers are four and a half point favorites. Okay. Now, typically you get three for a home team on average. It's not like set in stone, but that's typically what it looks like, which means there's a one and a half point difference here. It's going to be a close ball game. I believe Vegas is, is spot on right there. They it could be completely wrong. Might be a blowout one way or another. Who knows? The over-under is 49 and a half. If I were, if I were putting money on this, I'm not saying I would. I haven't looked at the analytics yet. I haven't made my bets. Um, I would probably take the under because I think the reason the over is so high is because the Packers scored so many points against the Vikings and the Lions scored so many points against the uh, Chicago Bears. Why did that happen? Multiple turnovers. But both of these teams protect the football here of lately, right? Goff's been protecting the football. We know Aaron tries to protect the football. The Packers haven't fumbled much here lately. I think the fact that there'll be less turnovers, both teams will try to run. The clock's going to be ground a little bit more. Um, yeah, I think I think it, I would feel better about taking the under, although I'm not telling you to do that. That's just early indication. So game theory has uh, this game, the Packers winning 28-21. to 21. <laughs> Surprise, surprise, 49 points right there at the over-under, right? And, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that's a pretty reasonable guess, although I think it'll be a little bit lower scoring than that, if I had to guess. Um, but yeah, their uh, percentage for that outcome, 58%. So you could see that's not very high, not very high. Anything less than 60% is kind of there. Okay, we're 58% sure the Packers – will win 28 to 21. Very specific. I know it sounds silly, but it's going to be a close ball game, man. I would uh I would not be surprised to see this come down to a field goal. So, it's exciting stuff, man. Playoff football at Lambeau Field. That's exactly the way I look at it. I um, appreciate everybody taking the time to hang out with us today. Hope you guys have an awesome Saturday afternoon. Hopefully you get to listen to this pod before the game Sunday night. The fact that it's a Sunday night game, probably have a little bit better chance of catching this. But uh yeah, again, apologize for not being more organized this season. It's a learning experience. You know, we started this. It's our first season doing the pod. I uh, actually launched Twitter, my Twitter account, on February of last year. We're now cracking 5,000 followers. You guys have been awesome on there. And uh, I want to say this. If if you keep hearing people talk about Twitter and you've got a little bit in the back of your mind, you're like, man, should I join Twitter? I don't know, man. I hear it's very toxic. It's very uh, – they have a lot of cool tools where you can really limit uh, the people that pop up in your algorithm and all that stuff. Okay. Like you can, you can mute words. You can do all these different things. This isn't a promotion for Twitter, whether you love it or hate it, I could care less. I'm just saying if somebody out there is like, man, it sounds like it'd be a cool way to follow football, but I also hear a lot of negative stuff. There's ways you can block that out. Man, my, my timeline is completely cleaned up now and it is absolutely awesome. It's just all 
good news, feel good stories hitting the timeline, and it's everything Packers football. So, um, again, we're about to crack 5,000 followers. Thank you to everybody who's followed us. If I'm not following you and you're listening to this pod, shoot me a DM and say, hey, man, just notice you're not following me, and I'll give you a follow right back. It's not intentional. I try to follow everybody who follows me because I just want to repay that respect and that appreciation. I'm not one of these people that look at the quote-unquote ratio. I think it's silly. It's like credit scores. Credit scores, you know, a credit score doesn't show, uh, you know, uh, the, the quality a person is, right? Credit score is just playing kissy face with the bank. That's all that is. If you're interested in borrowing money your whole life, yeah, you need a high credit score. If you want to earn it first and save up cash, pay cash for everything, a little bit better way to appreciate things. I'm just saying. So, um, yeah, I I look at the Twitter follower ratio the same exact way. Like, it cracks me up. I see people and they, they, it's like, I can't, I, I don't need to follow people that, you know, just because they follow me. That's just silly. I don't know, man. Anyway, appreciate everybody's time. Hope y'all have a great Saturday afternoon. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.